Yeah, it's sports talk from the three bros. Something you can bet on like Pete Rose. And you better not miss it like some free throws. Giving taste is more accurate than Drew Brees throws. And it might get explosive like some C4. We just giving you a look inside the peephole. So if you got a weak take, you better keep those. And get your cheeks swole when you step into the ring with the Amiibros. What's up, what's up, what's up? It's your boy, Jared, a.k.a. Statman, also known as 85. For the Amiibros podcast, I know I have a lot of nicknames. But I'm giving you my 85 weekend picks, which is where I go through and give you guys some of the topics that we don't have enough time to discuss on the actual podcast, as well as I give you some of our picks from the weekend that I'm looking forward to. Obviously, big weekend in college football. College football playoff rankings come out on Tuesday, so we got about five days. This is the last weekend before that. A couple big matchups I want to get into. But I want to start off by asking one question. Is Kyle Allen... The next Tom Brady. Wait, I know before you start to try to get into this, you're going to say, oh, Jerry, that's, that's silly. That's a silly thought. How could you say that Kyle Allen even resembles Tom Brady? But let's let's just back it up. Let's just say um, I go back to their college careers. Uh, Tom Brady uh, was a quarterback who went versus the number one quarterback prospect out of high school uh, who was also a top five baseball prospect in Drew Henson. Battles, they split time. He ends up eventually winning the starting job uh, before coming to the NFL as a lower-touted draft pick in the sixth round, pick 199. Likewise, Kyle Allen. Battles in college at a premier program. Tom Brady was at Michigan. He was at Texas A&M. With the number one high school quarterback, who was also a top five prospect in baseball, and Kyler Murray. Eventually wins the job before coming to the NFL and becoming an undrafted free agent and going to the Panthers. Now, that, that's just a small similarity, but let's look a little bit further. They are backups, actually third stringers. Typically, teams don't keep a third string quarterback, but Tom Brady's kept on the Patriots roster as a third string during his rookie season. And so is Kyle Allen as the third string quarterback uh, on the Panthers. After this, the starting quarterback for those teams, Drew Bledsoe, who was a MVP candidate and had recently lost in a Super Bowl, um, was injured and replaced by Tom Brady, who goes on an extensive win streak on a team primarily based on defense. Kyle Allen, the third-string quarterback, eventually replaces Cam Newton, who after the second game, like Drew Bledsoe, a former MVP candidate who lost in the Super Bowl, is injured and he comes in and goes on a winning streak largely based on the strength of their defense. Both coaches in that situation were not necessarily on the hot seat, but maybe in trouble if they weren't able to turn it around. And both were able to do so. Both of the coaches were primarily defensive-minded coaches. Now, I'm not telling you that right now Kyle Allen is going to develop into the next Tom Brady. But what I'm telling you is... There's a lot of people that are talking about Kyle Allen as if, oh, this is a flash in the pan and obviously throw the job back to Cam Newton. But this weekend is going to tell a lot about what we're going to get from Kyle Allen moving forward. Let's be honest. They are playing a team this week who has a 
terrific defense in the San Francisco 49ers, but we have questions about their quarterback, Jimmy Garoppolo. We have questions about their receivers and their ability to generate enough points on offense. They came off a of last week where they got nine points versus the Washington Redskins, uh, and in a game where afterwards they traded to get Emmanuel Sanders. I doubt Emmanuel is going to play an intricate role this week, um, but their receiving core is nothing to uh, to write home about. You have Dante Pettis, former receiver out of Washington. You have Debo Samuels, uh, a rookie out of South Carolina. You actually have Jalen Hurd, um, who was a running back at Tennessee, then a receiver at Baylor, who's also a draft pick from this year. So you don't have a great receiving core. And I expect Kyle Allen to play extremely well versus that offense, I mean, versus that defense from, from the 49ers. I would give their offense an advantage over the offense of the uh, of the San Francisco 49ers. And as well as San Francisco runs the ball with Kyle Shanahan using a lot of the zone uh, schemes that his dad, Mike, used to run, I expect the Panthers to be able to limit the amount of rushing yards, put the pressure on Jimmy Garoppolo, and as Kyle Allen has done throughout his career, he started five games, he's yet to throw an interception, the longest streak for anyone to start their career. Um, I think he's going to protect the ball. I think he's going to manage the game efficiently. And I think the Panthers are going to win and beat the 49ers and put themselves in a position to possibly get a division title, possibly get into the first, uh, getting a buy in, in the playoffs if it matches up where that win might come back to give them an advantage versus the 49ers. Um, and in reality, I think they still have the Seattle Seahawks on the schedule. Um, the Rams, I don't expect to be in position. So the Panthers lost, lost to the, the Rams, I don't think they're going to be in a position to win home field advantage. So it may boil down to the winner of the NFC West, which in this case, you would have a win over the 49ers and a potential matchup versus Seattle to secure it. So uh, before we start writing off Kyle Allen and saying, hey, this is not going to work and they should give the job back to Cam, I would caution you guys to be aware of the quarterback who is extremely talented. No one could deny that, um, who got his chance, waited, did not make a lot of mistakes but has shown a propensity to get the job done. Next, I want to get into a topic that most of you guys will disagree with me on. It's LeBron James. Obviously, I've told you guys for a long time that LeBron James is the GOAT. He is the greatest of all time. I'm not telling you he's the most celebrated of all time. I'm not throwing in, well, you know, how much Jordan sold in sneakers and his Gatorade commercials and how he did Space Jam and LeBron. I don't want to hear about that. I'm telling you right now, if you put those two on a franchise, and you you gave them comparable pieces, I think LeBron James would win more. I think because he can do more, he can fill more holes. Uh, I think he is a, you know, I think Jordan may have been, um, he, he obviously was a better mid-range shooter. I don't think he was a better shooter from the perimeter. He may have done a few things scoring-wise better than LeBron, but LeBron overall did more things uh, than well than Jordan did. But I love how the narrative shifts. This year, this is LeBron's 17th season, and we're coming off a game where they lost to the Clippers by 10 points, and LeBron admittedly played very poorly. Um, I would attribute some of that to the fact of I thought he was a little too passive. I thought he was trying to get Anthony Davis too involved from the focal point of the offense standpoint. But what I'm hearing is, oh, LeBron's done. I told you LeBron was. Kawhi is the greatest player in the world. How could you deny it at this point? Look at the game. Uh, calm down. Take a chance to look back at history. First and foremost, LeBron has struggled in season openers throughout the majority of his career. His first game in the Miami Heat, they lost to the Celtics. Uh, his first game with the Cavs, uh, his rookie season, they lost to the Kings. His first game with the Cavs and his return, they lost the opener. His first game back, or 
in L.A. last year. They lost the opener. This year, they lost the opener. And he typically gets off to slow starts. I don't know why that is, but that's kind of the way it's worked. And I want people to look back at the way we judge Michael Jordan, the guy he's most compared to. Michael Jordan, his last championship season, his last year with the Bulls. Season opener, they got run off the floor by the Boston Celtics. Not the Larry Bird Boston Celtics, but the Antoine Walker-led Boston Celtics, where Jordan went 7 for 23 from the field, and they just lost. And I'm not telling you this because I'm saying, hey, look, LeBron's going to win the title this year, although I do believe he is. I'm telling you, nobody said, oh, Jordan's done. This is just, I told you he was done. He didn't have the legs in it. People just relaxed. They allowed it to play out. And they didn't put themselves in boxes that they can't climb out of. What I will warn you is that game was a game where everyone on the Lakers played poorly outside of Danny Green. That game was a game where everyone on the Clippers played well, at least at their average standard. There was no one who had a poor game. It was a tie game going to the fourth quarter. I think that favors LeBron and the Lakers. And people say, oh, well, Paul George is out. Well, yeah, he is. So is Kuzma. So is Rondo. And Paul George is going to be replacing someone who shot the ball extremely well because everyone on that team shot the ball well. So he, he may, he's going to replace probably Jermichael Green, who went four for seven threes that game. Like, he's likely not going to add a significant amount based on what the production the Clippers got in his role that game. I feel much more confident in the Lakers being able to bounce back. We have the Utah Jazz tonight. I think they're going to get a, a huge win uh, and get themselves back on track to win 58 games this year, to be the one or two seed in the Western Conference, and to win the championship. Don't count out LeBron James. It's a silly, silly move. Okay, so getting into college football. Obviously, um, I could get in a rant on the, the Clemson Tigers, how we've uh, consistently won more and more and more. We've won 22 straight games. Um, we've covered the spread this year in our seven games, five out of the seven games. The two non-covers, Texas A&M versus the third stringer, scored a touchdown with six seconds to go with their starters um, to make it from the spread was 18 and a half. We were up 21. It made it a 14-point game. And then, obviously, the one close game we had versus UNC. Clemson is winning on average this year by 28 points per game. Last year, they were winning on average by 28.7 points per game. That point seven is the difference between Texas A&M scoring that last touchdown or not scoring that last touchdown. So when people are like, oh, you know, Clemson, they're just struggling this year, and the, the narrative is being far outblown or overblown. Um, also, we look at the fact that Clemson, if you're comparing statistically, they're one of three teams ranked currently in the top 10, along with Penn State and Ohio State, who are ranked top 10 in offensive points per game and defensive points per game. Um, LSU, whose offense has been spectacular, has been Ultra suspect on defense. Alabama's been suspect on defense. I don't expect them to be able to fix those because those don't seem like correctable issues. Uh, Alabama, it's from a loss of linebacker Dylan Moses, which I think has opened up the middle of that field. Uh, in LSU, it just seems like outside of Grant Delpit and uh, Derek Stingley at cornerback, doesn't seem like they just have the horses this year on defense. So, end of the season, obviously I think Clemson's going to win. Um, I don't see really anyone taking them out. But, how do they keep dropping? Like, where is the respect of the defending national champions who haven't lost a game and are winning by an average of 28 points, who have lost first place votes and fell in the rankings three consecutive weeks? The worst was they lost ground on Alabama when both of them were on bye weeks the exact same week. Literally, Alabama gained votes 
during a week where neither one of them played, which shows the propensity of the AP just to follow the movement of whatever the others are voting for. Oh, there's a trend. People are starting to vote for Bama. I should vote for, for Bama number one this week. Um, they're getting the treatment of a defending national champion, but I'm okay with it. One, I think it helps Clemson to stay focused. I think it gives them a us-against-the-world mentality. Secondly, I love the betting odds. Clemson has made me thousands and thousands of dollars the last few years because uh, for some reason they always get great favorable odds for Clemson in the, in the playoffs because people under, underestimate them. Um, a few years ago, I told you guys on the podcast, I said it was free money. They were playing versus Ohio State. Ohio State was a four-point favorite somehow. I said the game's not going to be close. Clemson beat them 31-0. to Year before that, it was Oklahoma. Clemson was a two-and-a-half-point underdog versus Oklahoma. The year after we had just beaten them 40-6 to in the bowl game, set free money, we beat them by 19. Last year, Alabama were getting points. I told you guys it was going to be a blowout. It wasn't going to be close. We went by 28 points. Look, I'm all for making myself more money. I would warn you, don't write off Clemson. They always struggle at the beginning of the season. And then at the end of the season, they always peak at the right time. But games this week that are going to likely affect the college football playoff rankings. Um, there's three games that I definitely want you guys to pay attention to. I want you to bet on because I want my listeners to get money. So, first game, Ohio State versus Wisconsin. This is a tricky game. Wisconsin coming into last week was ranked number one in nearly every defensive category. They had a, a game where, and this is why I try to tell people when you look at Clemson almost losing to UNC, when you look at Georgia losing to South Carolina, when you look at Wisconsin losing to Illinois, this is a game of 18 to 22-year-olds, and there are all these things that are going on in their lives. And I, I tell you guys, there's a reason why you go and rent a rental car. They don't rent to anybody under 21. It's because... Their decision-making and their judgment is typically lacking. And it's not a knock against 19-year-olds. When I was 19, I made poor decisions. So there's some, there's some outliers. Oh, you may be 19. You may be the most smart, most career-oriented, most thoughtful person that you can be. But most at 18, 19 have mood swings. There's, there's, uh, there's ups and downs. And I think what happens is you have Wisconsin. They're playing Illinois a team that had just gotten blown out by Michigan the previous week, and Michigan got blown out by Wisconsin, and Wisconsin came out lackadaisical, and they lost. I don't expect that to be the case versus Ohio State. This is a chance for Wisconsin to prove a point. I don't like the fact that the game is at Ohio State, but the line right now is Ohio State minus 14.5 points. Ohio State's not beating Wisconsin by, by more than two touchdowns. I actually think Wisconsin's going to pull the upset. Wisconsin has always typically given Ohio State problems when Ohio State's a top-five team in the country. Uh, and I think they're going to be able to control the clock. I think they're going to be able to run the ball with Jonathan Taylor, who's one of the best running backs in the country. And I think at the end of the day, if Ohio State wins, it's going to be a seven-point game. I'm going to pick Wisconsin in the upset by three points versus Ohio State. Now, that could all be turned around if Justin Fields has a huge game. As I told you guys before the season, he was my preseason Heisman favorite. I watched him play in high school here at Kennesaw at Harrison High. Uh, I'm, I'm a huge fan of him. I just think that Wisconsin, is they, they played a bad game last week, but they're a very good team. Jim Leonard has that defense uh, amped up. I expect a very competitive game. Second, Game I would definitely bet on is LSU versus Auburn. LSU is only a 10.5-point favorite, and although I like Auburn, Auburn has a freshman quarterback who has not shown the tendency to be able to throw the ball. He's averaging a little over 100 yards passing per game, and I like Bo Nix 
Very highly touted player. I think he was the number one dual threat quarterback out of high school last year. But in reality, he's not there yet. And you're going to LSU in a very hostile environment, one of the best crowds in the country. They are the second Death Valley, obviously, behind Clemson. But look, they're a very raucous crowd, and I only have to lay 10.5 points. And Joe Burrow is out here playing like Tom Brady. So look, I'm going to take LSU. I'm going to lay the 10.5 points. I expect them to win the game by 17 uh, because as much as Auburn is able to get pressure with their front four, which is probably the best in the country, I don't trust their secondary to be able to keep up with the receivers from LSU who are getting a tremendous amount of yards after catch. I think they may be second in the country behind Alabama in yards after catch. I'm going with LSU to win the game by 17. I'm probably going to say that score is somewhere around 42 to 25, 24, somewhere in that range. Um so take LSU, lay the 10.5 points. Last, Texas has two losses this season. Those two losses were, first and foremost, to Oklahoma. No, not Oklahoma, sorry. They lost to LSU and then Oklahoma. Um, those are two top five teams in the country. I don't expect Texas to lose to 3-3 three and three TCU. And right now, you can get Texas minus one point. Guys, that's basically a straight-up line. You can buy that number down for, you know, from 110 to one minus 130 to get that to an even number. I wouldn't do that. I would take the one point. But in reality, Texas just had a, a bad game versus Kansas. They won in overtime versus Kansas, 50 to 48. I expect them to not take TCU lightly. I think they probably had a rough week at practice. And I expect them to put the throttle down and beat down TCU. Take Texas minus one point. That's, that's sound advice. So, look, three games this week. Take LSU, lay the 10.5 points. Take Texas, lay the one point. Take Wisconsin and the 14.5 points you're getting. I think that number is way too high. And typically teams that get blown out and that are talented will come back the next week, have a really good bounce back week. Look, hopefully you guys got something out of this. And also listen to the podcast. We get into a lot of other topics. Um, obviously, we uh, we are doing the podcast every week. You can check us out at Instagram on Instagram at Amibros underscore podcast. Check us out on Twitter at at Amibros podcast or at Facebook.com forward slash the Amibros. Uh, check us out on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, Google Play, any place you find your podcast. And I'm out. Peace.